Welcome in to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. It's Friday, it's the weekend, and I'm here with my bestest buddy in the whole wide world, Matthew. I'm still a PT Bets. Yeah, this is true uh, on all fronts. Uh, I'm really honored that I'm your, your best buddy in the whole world. Kyle, that means the world to me. Um, I'm not going to lie, I thought you were going to say your best buddy in this world was Mike Glennon who, shout out to Mike Glennon, might get the start this weekend. I mean, for the brand, for the podcast, I just hope it happens. So we'll see. But, dude, how are you doing? Well, I just need to set the record straight about Mike Glennon, all right? Like, oh, and what's that? I get that he's... <laughs> I know that he's associated with this podcast. In fact, I know that he's associated with my name because when any news shows up, my timeline is filled, yours is too, of getting tagged about Mike Glennon. All right, let me just say this. Mike Glennon's not good. He's not good at football. He's a fun toy that we get to look at and go, wow, that's kind of a funny looking person. I'm glad that uh, choice of words he's a part of this. <laughs> he's just a weird looking dude. But guys, I recommended him once because he was cheap. That's it. That's it. I mean, hey, dude, like people don't forget. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm just mad about it because you recommended Jamal Agnew. And he, he hit. killed it, and, he and hit. now he does, and he never has to do anything the rest of his career. I recommend Adam Humphreys and Mike Glennon, and this is what I get. Yeah, so listeners, so, you know uh, you know who to listen to when we're, we're talking today. You know who to mute, and you know who to listen to throughout the course of the show. It should be fun. Guys, mute me if you need to. I'm totally fine with it, uh, but I actually feel good about a couple plays on the slate, so hey, watch out. Uh, this is week 13. And I will say, before we jump into these games and our cash picks, uh, there's a lot of running backs on this slate. There are not a lot of great wide receiver plays. Like It is quite thin compared to what we've seen in other weeks with value. So just make sure when you're looking at this week, you have a player pool where you're saying, okay, here's a couple wide receivers. But I mean, get seven or eight wide receivers that you like this week at different price points and be willing to shift as new shifts we know we've seen that with running backs. A number of backups are in there for injuries. We just got news about DeAndre Swift. He's probably just not going to be in. So we'll talk about Jamal Williams. But just be willing to shift. Be willing to get different this week. Uh, I think it's super important. You and I just finished writing up our cash picks for FanDuel and DraftKings and our GPP ones. Any overarching thoughts as you were kind of sticking this together? You've had a busy week in terms of uh, you know PT stuff, You've had a lot going on. I've had a lot going on with house stuff, but any overarching feelings about writing up those picks? Yeah, it's definitely been a, a really busy week, and it's also a week where, as of this recording, we still have some news that needs to be sorted out. You know, we're still kind of in the dark on the running back situation for the Rams right now. It sounds like they're trending in a positive direction for Henderson. We'll find out more about that and whether that opens up value for Sony Michelle. Um, like you said, there's the DeAndre Swift injury. There's a couple other things that still need to kind of get sorted out. But yeah, as far as the slate goes, I agree with you. Like it looks like a really, really interesting week for running back. And I found myself trying to get three of those running backs that we're going to talk about into my cash lineup because all of them are just standout plays uh, with really good price tags. And like you said, at wide receiver, 
there's a couple of names that I like, but there's not any that I think are smash plays this week at their price point. So I'm, I'm with you in that front, but hopefully we get more news kind of as the weekend goes on. And if you're in the DFS pass, be sure to check out, you know, the articles over the weekend. I make sure I go in there, whether it's like Saturday evening or, or Sunday morning, once we have news, I update my picks. So uh, be in there, check that out. And uh, you can get that at DFSPass.com. Yes, let's jump into our cash picks. Straight cash, homie. For cash picks this week, we've developed a little bit of a consensus, which is either a really good thing, we're onto something, or you and I are getting into some group think, but we we came up with this separately. So I feel good that like, hey, this is where we arrived. At quarterback this week, we only are going to list two guys in this section. Like I, I just, I tried to get in a third name. I tried to get myself to say I would play Matt Ryan in cash because he's cheap. He's going to have volume. It's the highest total. I can't do it. In a tournament, it's a different conversation we'll talk about. But this week, there are only two guys that you and I would say play them in cash. They're probably going to be the most popular. It's Tom Brady and it's Justin Herbert. So do you have a certain lean right now? Yeah, I think right now I want Tom Brady in my cash lineup. He just feels incredibly safe. You know, last week he was a guy that a lot of people were on. People loved Chris Godwin and Rob Gronkowski and all those guys for good reason. But then Leonard Fournette stole the show with four touchdowns. I don't think we'll see that again this week. I mean, he's certainly a strong GPP play for Lenny. But yeah, when you're talking about optimal plays, Tom Brady came down in price. He's 7.2K on DraftKings. And taking on the Falcons in a game that has the highest total on the slate, the Bucks have the highest implied team total on the slate, and the Bucks continue to pass at one of the highest rates in football. So it sets up perfectly for Tom Brady. And like you said, at the quarterback position, I think there's a lot of like interesting tournament plays, but for cash, Tom Brady just feels incredibly safe. Played Atlanta three times as a Buccaneer. He's averaged 355 passing yards and just 3.7 passing touchdowns. So that will work. That feels super... That feels safe, and as a Falcons fan, I just it makes a lot of sense. He's never never lost to us. Uh, but Justin Herbert is only six point seven, and he's showing up in our you know projections as right there with Brady in terms of points per dollar. He's also been getting it done on the ground recently, over one hundred twenty rushing yards the last two weeks. So you're not really finding that. Elsewhere, I mean, Kyler is somebody that you just can't look at this week in cash. There's too many variables if he does play. Lamar is certainly in the mix, but I feel like with Herbert, you know you're going to get passing volume. We're going to talk about that game in a second from a stacking perspective. But um, yeah, I mean, those two, and if you need to save a little to go down from Brady to Herbert, I think that's going to be it. But I I, I think they're going to be the two most popular guys. I would say so. Yeah, probably. And I think too, like, when you look at the rest of these positions that we'll talk about, you know, if you want to get up to these stud running backs and and or like, let's say you you really wanted to play Cooper Cup this week or something like that, like you, you can't really also go up to Lamar, in my opinion. So you kind of do have to come down in pricing a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I think those two are it's pretty clear. Those two are, are really solid for cash this weekend and we're definitely on them. All right. So at running back, we mentioned earlier, but I think there's eight guys I like this week. There's like eight, so many. And most builds are. It's crazy. I mean, most builds are going to have three in them, so there's going to be a ton of overlap. So in terms of roster percentages, we usually say ignore them in cash, but this week, I bet you're going to find six, seven guys that are all 25, 30% rostered in cash. So why don't you start us off with the uh, probably the easiest one of the week in Jonathan Taylor? I appreciate you giving me this uh, this analysis. 
Uh, play the good guys against the bad guys is the take here. I mean, what's there to say? Jonathan Taylor just going absolutely nuclear. He is on pace right now from weeks four to 12. What he is doing on a 17-game pace is 2,000 rushing yards and literally a touchdown every week. That's what he's giving you. And I don't think we need to go into any detailed analysis here. The Texans are hashtag bad at football. And they're, they're multiple uh, point you know, favorites here in a positive game script. Like It just sets up perfectly for Jonathan Taylor. I guess the only question is, like, is the price tag cost prohibitive on this slate with the pricing? That's really it. I mean, other than that, there's zero holes to poke in this spot for JT. Yeah, he's basically $1,000 more than other options. So that's that's what you have to ask yourself. And then in tournaments with JT, at 9.2, you need him to be a top three running back. Like he can't, he can't be like the RB10 on this slate or else like you're getting passed by everyone else who's finding these cheaper running backs. So ask yourself that question. In tournaments, this is a good week to say, I, you know what? I think Jonathan Taylor gets... 20 DraftKings points or 25, but he doesn't get 40 and really change. He's actually only been the RB1 once this year uh, in half-point leagues. So just just keep that in mind if you're paying up. The other two options at the top, Joe Mixon at 8.1, Eckler at 8.3. It's just a smash spot for Mixon who's been incredible. Eckler's the RB2. I lean Eckler in this one because I feel like the game script has just gone Joe Mixon's way way too much recently, and I get the matchup says play him. But I know with Eckler, like I know he's going to get enough targets, and the Bengals are giving up the highest running back target share in the league. So I feel like with Eckler in cash, I have a safer floor, but I feel like people will play Mixon more. I think so too, probably. I don't. I think personally for me, I'm probably not going to play those two guys in cash this week, and it's just because of the price tag. If you really want Jonathan Taylor, it's really hard to fit uh, also Eckler or Mixon. So it's just, again, ask yourself, who do you think has the safest floor and ceiling combination? And to me, it's, it's Jonathan Taylor without question. But then you look at those two guys, I think those guys are phenomenal tournament plays. Like, I don't know about you, Kyle, but looking at the roster percentages across the industry, they're coming in way lower than I thought they would. And I think it's because there's just so many good running back plays on this slate. So yeah, fire away in tournaments on Mixon and Eckler for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of 5K running backs that I think are going to soak up those percentages. So maybe that's why they also kind of cannibalize each other, right? Like yep. they're at the same price point. They're in the same game. So, I, I mean, you wouldn't play those two together. I mean, Eckler doesn't really count. Maybe he's like breaking a rule about playing two running backs in the same game. Yeah, I don't think I would personally. And it's just because when Mixon has these games, you know, he's uh, the Bengals are just salting the clock and they're giving Mixon what, 30 touches in back-to-back weeks. And in this spot where, you know, you presume that he's going to have success against the Chargers run funnel defense, like it's tough to see a a high scoring, like a rather high volume play, you know, back and forth kind of thing with those two guys. So I think I would play one or the other. Um, I am interested in that game for stacking for tournaments, but not necessarily with both the running backs. What are you doing with Alexander Madison? We're not getting a discount, right? Like he's 7.6. He's super expensive on FanDuel as well. It's, I just, I feel like this is one of those spots where you know he's going to get the workload, but I also love the Minnesota passing game this week. I know you like Justin Jefferson a lot too. So at 7.6, you you have to have, you know, 15 plus points. Like they, that's a minimum in cash. And really 20 points is kind of more paying off for what you're getting at his salary. So right now I'm leaning towards not having my cash lineup, but he's he's strong. I just like Mixon and Eckler a little bit more. 
Yeah, and I think too, like, you know, again, this is another one that I was looking at the roster percentage and I was like, wait, how is this possible? How is he not coming in higher? So it sounds crazy, but Madison might be just an awesome GPP play if he's going to come in around like 10% or something like that. Because, you know, this isn't the exact same spot that we had Madison early in the year. At that time, when Dalvin Cook was dealing with the groin issue, you know, Alexander Madison was down at like 6K on DraftKings. And obviously, when the price goes up, that running back has to do so much more for you to pay it off. Now, don't get me wrong, in this spot against the Lions, he absolutely can. This is the same defense he torched for 30 DraftKings points uh, a month and a half ago. So it's certainly in the range of outcomes. But like you said, you know, the pricing is, is difficult with running backs this week. And because there's so much value opening up down in like the upper fives and lower six range in pricing on DraftKings, it makes it tough to, to justify Alexander Madison and cash when you can get probably the same production from guys at lower price tags. So it is an interesting you know decision point, I think. I would not fault anyone for playing him in cash, but I'm just going to let the roster percentage dictate how I use him. And if he comes in lower, I'm firing away in GPPs for sure. You can get our roster percentage report in the DFS pass. And this is one of my favorite things about DFS is because each slate is different. You know, Betts joked earlier like, oh, we should just play the best plays against bad teams and that's it. But the roster percentage game about running backs this week is going to be a tough one to crack because you're going to have all of these guys soaking up percentages. And so there's going to be just some small incremental changes that you can make and say, okay, it's not just here's one guy that's super cheap. Like it's not a Dernis Johnson week where just everybody's playing him 50%. It's that's it. Like there's a bunch of guys in the mix. And so in that 5k range, James Connors 5.9 against Chicago. They're heavy favorites. Chase Edmonds is going to be back hopefully next week, but definitely not this week. So James Connors in my cash game lineup right now. He's just been getting a ton of work. And then, man, I, I keep staring at Antonio Gibson at 5.7. JD McKissick missed practice earlier this week and could be questionable. Do we have any update on that situation? Uh, let's see here. I have another DNP for JD McKissick on Thursday. He was a DNP as well on Wednesday. So back-to-back DNPs. Uh, obviously, we'll know more by Friday when this comes out. And then, you know, if you're listening to the Injury Blitz pod, I'll be sure to give you guys the official updates there. But yeah, he's dealing with concussion and a neck issue. Back-to-back DNPs does not spell success that he'll be out there on the field. So if you get JD McKissick out, I mean, that's been the thorn in Antonio Gibson's side all season, right? Is that Gibson was this guy we were drafting in the, the early second round of redraft leagues and best ball leagues because we thought he had that passing upside to his game. Well, we might get that Antonio Gibson this week at just a stupid, stupid cheap price tag again because he played on Monday Night Football. So if there is no McKissick and Gibson's getting five-ish targets, I mean, he saw seven on Monday Night Football. If he's getting that to add to his insane volume he's gotten, I mean, at his price tag, how can you not lock him in at cash at sub 6K? The other running back in that 5K range is Jamal Williams at 5.4. Detroit's been pretty clear, like they want somebody just to be the guy. And Williams has done that in the past. Last year, he did it. Green Bay, he had a couple opportunities. So in that 5K range, we like Connor, Gibson, Jamal Williams. Uh, Any other name? I know Sonny Michelle's kind of on the radar, but with Henderson, I guess we have positive news right now. Sonny Michelle's way down there, and he would be one of my preferred plays at, what, 5.2? Um, to get in there i think he's even cheaper he's down in the fours on oh sorry on Fanduel, he's 5.2 okay he's he's 4.3 on DraftKings. yeah great tag on, on sony obviously it's it's not i don't think the conversation is difficult if henderson is out and you just get sony michelle in that backfield 
at that price tag. I don't know what your thoughts are, Kyle. I'm playing him in cash. I mean, it would just be a huge salary relief option that would project really well. Again, the Rams have a huge implied total taking on the Jaguars. I think the build's going to be pick one of those three studs we mentioned, you know, JTT, Mixon, Eckler, and then probably two of the 5K guys and maybe Sony Michelle if he's he's going to be chalk. So figure out your combination. I feel like I feel like when you have all these guys, everyone's like, oh, I'm going to pick the wrong ones. Go with volume, go with team implied totals. Uh, those are the things you just need to lean into. But yeah, I mean, there's there's so many good choices. I feel the same thing. But wide receiver is the opposite. It's not an easy week for wide receiver. We have no Devonte, no Tyreek. Uh, Cup is $9,000 on both sites. So on Fandle, we would say play him in cash and DraftKings. It's it's asking a lot if you want to play Jonathan Taylor. So where are you looking this week at wide receiver? Yeah, I feel like every week Deontay Johnson is just the, the fixture of the show. And, you know, it's not difficult to see why when you look at his game logs, the guy just gets 10 plus targets every game. That's just what he does. And in cash games, you want to you chase the volume. And certainly with the situation still in flux, you know, with like Eric Ebron on IR and Juju out and Chase Claypool just being that kind of deep receiver, like, it's Deontay Johnson week after week getting these targets. 6.8K. I will take that in a cash game all day long. And I, again, I feel like DraftKings doesn't move his price. He's always like 6.6, 6.7, 6.8. And that's definitely a range I'm comfortable going in on a guy that's going to see a lot of volume. And this matchup with Pittsburgh, I feel like people see that and they're like, oh, that's yeah, that's a scary matchup. Pittsburgh's been bottom 10 in yards per play allowed. And they really have given up production to opposing offenses this year. So it's not the same uh, as most years there with with that matchup. We mentioned on Tuesday, Brandon Ayuk, 5.6. Knowing that Debo's out, I think he's a solid play. I, I personally will not be thinking about Jawan Jennings. I've seen a couple people say, well, can I play him? He's 3.2. Like, if he didn't catch a touchdown last week, we wouldn't be talking about him at all. So I'm not interested at all. If you wanted to play him a tournament, go for it. But Brandon Ayuk, 5.6. Chris Godwin, is just staying in that same range we love at 6.6. Andy brought it up today on the main show. He destroys the Falcons. Like, he has just completely annihilated them, averaging 98 receiving yards since 2018 against the Falcons. So, Godwin, if you play Godwin and Brady in your cash lineup, I feel like you have a solid stack there. So, he's there. Jalen Waddle, 6.4, is another PPR threat who's... I looked this up. In redraft leagues, in half-point leagues, he's the wide receiver four since week six. Like, he's just been awesome. So, Jalen Waddle, I think, is a safe play. Godwin's a safe play. Michael Pittman at 5.7. Those are all in that range that I think you're not paying up at these crazy ranges in the 7, 8K range. You're getting a bunch of 5, 6K receivers. Yeah, I think those are all great points. And while you were talking, you know what I just realized? <laughs> this is how tired I am. This is how busy the week's been. I just gave analysis for Deontay Johnson going up against the Steelers defense. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad I caught that before. <laughs> before. Uh, okay, let's rewind a little bit. Deontay Johnson, still a great play. But my point is that the matchup there with the Ravens, I'm sorry, the Ravens are a secondary that have given up big games. Guys, if if you need to mute bets. I wouldn't hate it. I don't, I, don't, I don't fault you guys. I'm running <laughs> on like five hours of sleep. Uh, Deontay Johnson against the Ravens. Very interested, despite the fact that he's not going to get to go up against his own team this week. So give me Deontay against Baltimore. That would be quite the matchup if he had to play his own squad 
and it hurts their defense, but it helps you for PPR and for DraftKings. Did I just give a uh, sneaky pick for Marquise Brown? <laughs> did I just accidentally do that? I think <laughs> I think you did. I wrote him up as a GPP play. All right. Uh, I think I think I think it's a solid play. So let's go to tight end. There's a punt play that everybody and their mom is talking about this week. It's Foster Moreau. We talked about him on Tuesday, and it looks like he's going to be the guy. Yeah, it looks like Darren Waller is going to miss, and if that's the case, I think you just play Foster Moreau. You take the salary savings. You take the 2.7k price tag that's going to let you get up to the Mixins and Austin Ecklers and Jonathan Taylors of the world this week. Um, there's not a lot of salary relief on this slate and he provides a lot of it. And like at that price tag, if he gets you six points, you're happy. But we did see him, you know, early this, this year without Waller, he played a hundred percent of the snaps, went six for 60 and a touchdown. So at that price tag, I, I consider him a crash lock this week. Yes. The, the salary is pretty crazy. Uh, I still like Gronk. I mean, his salary went up $900. He's really expensive on FanDuel. He's 7k. But I love the matchup. He caught two touchdowns against the Falcons earlier this year. I just, when I look at my lineup, if I'm playing Brady, then I probably do want to stack him because he doesn't run the ball. And I would probably do it with Godwin or Gronk. And I'm probably just going to end up picking one of those guys. And the easier thing to do is just to punt it off with Foster Moreau. The Muth, uh, if you haven't gotten your Muth is loose uh, shirt, we just came out with those famous footballers at shopballers.com. He's 4.2 and he's kind of in that middle range where I'm like, I could see it. Like I could really see that. But if you're playing Deontay, you're not playing the Muth, right? Yeah. Last week it was, that was another decision point. I think, you know, it's the same situation. The Steelers are just thin with pass catchers, but yeah, I think, I think my lean is to play Deontay if I had the choice, but if you need, you know, the salary savings and you know, you don't want to go with Deontay, I understand Pat Fryermuth, like all the dude does is just score touchdowns. And, you know, he's got five of his last five games. The price tag for some reason came down by a hundred dollars last week, despite scoring another touchdown. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, we've seen the Ravens be pretty susceptible to tight ends on the year. So whether it's in a cash game format or in a GPP, I'm pretty interested in, in him this week. We'll talk later in the episode about our favorite pay up tight ends you know what we think about Kittle what we think about Andrews what we think about Pitts we'll talk about that later on in the show but let's finish off with DST there's two defenses in the same game you can play Washington on DraftKings at 2.5 you can play the Raiders at 2.8 in that same game totally fine and then on both sides the Dolphins are just a great play at home they're they've won four straight they're 3.3 on DraftKings. They are 4K on FanDuel. I will play them on either side. I'm playing them in redraft this league this week. Uh, any last thoughts on defense? It's a tricky week. I think we talked about this on Tuesday, where like there's not a lot that you like in like the 2.2, 2.3 range that we normally like to punt. So we'll see what happens as the news comes out over the weekend. But yeah, I think those are my favorites for sure. And if you have the salary somehow, you know, with with the Eagles clearly taking on. Um, the Jets is never a bad idea. Stack Attack. Stack Attack. And in this part of our show doc, I write that it's brought to you by Michael Joseph Glinton. He's always in the section, but this time it's actually for real. He's he's really he's really part of our lives this week, people, even if it's from the bench. All part right, of let's talk about three games. He He follows me around. Let's just <laughs> say that. Like, I will be... Do you think if I got like a do you think he like gets a, a gold note jacket? on my grave? 
Is he going to a gold jacket? No, oh, okay. no, he's he he's going to be somebody that we still reference though. Like that's going to be the cool thing is like he's not some random backup quarterback. We won't be talking about. like Cooper Rush. We'll say like, oh, Cooper Rush. Oh yeah, he had one game. But Mike Glennon, people will be using him in memes for years. He is forever. All right, let's talk about this first game. This is the one I'm most interested in stacking. Los Angeles Chargers, 6-5 and five, at the Cincinnati Bengals, 7-4. and four. It's a pretty important real-life football game. I know you love that real-life football take bets, but in the AFC, it's kind of a big deal in terms of seeding and, and wild card. DraftKings Sportsbook line is the Bengals minus three, and the over-under is 50 and a half. And what I want to bring to your attention, bets and listeners, is that these two teams could not be more opposite. Like you have the Chargers who play fast. They're second in seconds, uh, second in seconds per play. They throw the ball a ton. And then Cincinnati's been milking the clock recently. They're 30th in neutral pace. Mixon's been getting the ball. These are just complete opposite teams. And the question I have is, am I going to pick the wrong game script? Because if I pick the wrong game script, then I'm going to be completely off on this game. Like the easiest thing to do would say, well, look at Mixon. They're going to run the ball. They're going to have success. And I'm going to stack up the Chargers side. But the contrarian way to play this game is to say, let me stack it up with Burrow double stacks and then bring it back with Eckler. Yeah, that's that's really the conversation is like, do you think this game plays out the way that it should on paper, which is, you know, the Bengals running with Joe Mixon in a matchup where you want to run the football on the Chargers. It's so simple, right? And then on the other side, Justin Herbert double stacks because, you know, they're they're fast in pace. They're throwing a ton. Keenan Allen is due for positive touchdown regression. He's just getting a ton of targets. Only two touchdowns on the year. It is coming very soon. We've seen the Mike Williams games. Like there's there's ways that you can talk yourself into this being like, okay, play Mixon, bring it back with the Chargers passing attack. But I'm with you that I do think it is interesting, I think, to kind of get a little contrarian and flip it, where, you know, we've we haven't seen a Jamar Chase game in what, a month? We know that's in his bag. T. Higgins. Shout out to T. Higgins. We've been on for eight weeks in a row. Finally did something last week. He has upside some weeks. And then you look at the other side too. You know, Eckler, obviously, we already talked about him in detail. So I'm with you. I do think it's interesting to flip the build a little bit this week because I don't think a lot of people are going to do that. And in tournaments, if you want to get different, if you project the game to go differently than what it says on paper, it's it's a great way to differentiate yourself. The thing that's tough with Burrow is that he's only had three let's call them ceiling games, like three games where he's gone over 22 DraftKings points. He doesn't hit 300 yard bonus because he just doesn't throw enough. It's hard for me to say Burrow's going to be the, you know, a top three quarterback on the slate. That's what you need when you're stacking a game. You say, I need this quarterback to be top three in points this week. And he, his touchdown rate's great. 6.5. Love it. But in Cincinnati wins, he's only averaging 28 pass attempts, and that's not going to get it done. That's not going to get it done from like a volume standpoint. So if I did go after Burrow and say that they're chasing in this game, I'd go Burrow, Chase, Uzama, or Burrow, Higgins, Chase. Like I'd just pick two of those guys, and then I'd probably bring it back with Eckler or Keenan Allen and uh, and just put it that way. So um, any thoughts on those kind of stacks? Yeah, I also think too, like if you did want exposure to the Cincy passing game, you don't necessarily have to also play Burrow because like Kyle's saying, like the volume hasn't really been there for Burrow. And so what you're saying when you play T. Higgins or Jamar Chase is that they get their own efficiency. You know, it's a long touchdown. It's it's one of those sort of scenarios. 
And it doesn't always mean that they bring Joe Burrow with him or that Joe Burrow is pushing the, the passing attack. It could just be one big play. So don't feel like you have to play Burrow and the Cincy pass catchers if you wanted to kind of mini stack it. You know, if you wanted to go elsewhere and you just wanted to play like Jamar Chase and Austin Eckler as a mini correlation, something like that, I also think is very much in play. So you don't feel like you have to attack yourself uh, to, to Joe Burrow here. I think that's probably less likely to happen, right? Just given their tendency. So I think personally, I'm, I'm off a of burrow myself this week. There can only be one Joe each week from the Bengals side that you use. And Mixon just has a ton of negative correlation. Just he goes off the rest of the offense. So Chase's kind of downslide recently has been Mixon going off. So in this game, I will play either Mixon and nobody else from the Bengals side. There's only one game this year where Mixon and Burrow were kind of like in a good spot together. It was against Detroit and he caught a touchdown. So that's obviously why. So I, that's what I would do. But then it's so easy on the Chargers side to envision Herbert and two options. Like, I mean, and obviously you can play Eckler with him because it's super easy as well. So if you want to go Herbert, Eckler, Mike Williams or Herbert, Keenan Allen, Jared Cook, I think that those kind of options are great. But I think I liked your point. If you just said, I don't want a chalky Joe Mixon, and maybe he's not as chalky as we think, but I just want a pass catcher from the Bengals side, and I want Eckler or Keenan Allen, and I don't want to fully stack. I think Tom Brady's going to be the quarterback one in this slate, and you want to go that direction. I think that's that's the way to go. Yep, I'm with you. All right, give me your Vegas pick. This is Max Payne every week when I actually say these words out loud, but I will take the Chargers plus three. <laughs> Listeners, you already know where I'm going. Chargers plus three. Take it to the bank. All right, next game. You can definitely take to the bank. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Atlanta Falcons. This line opened up at nine and a half. But right now, the DraftKings Sportsbook line is Buccaneers minus 11. And the game is a 15 and a half point total. So this is telling you that we think Tampa Bay is going to win. It's going to be fairly easy. And just a little listener update. You can check in with me later. I am about to fly out tomorrow uh, to Arizona to do some housing stuff. And I will be placing a, a bet on the Buccaneers hitting their team implied total over. <laughs> Is that how you sleep at night against your Falcons? You just bet on Tampa. And if it happens, you're like, all right, you know, I won the bet. It's OK. But if the Falcons win, you're equally as happy. That's the point. Yeah. That is how you live in this world. Yep, right? I like it. So this game's a rematch from week two. If you remember, Tampa Bay destroyed Atlanta. I remember very well. 48 to 25, Evans and Gronks each had two touchdowns. Brady destroyed them. So is this game just really easy? This is just an easy stacking perspective how we approach in GPPs. Uh, as far as, like to answer your question, if it's easy, I think it's very straightforward. This is an awesome spot for Tom Brady. This is an awesome spot for Chris Godwin. This is an awesome spot for Rob Gronkowski. But everyone else knows that, right? And so I think you have to ask yourself, if you're doing that, how do you get different at other spots in your lineup? So if you are going to play that stack, it, we're not saying it's not good. It's actually a great stack this week. We like it a lot. But it's just going to be very popular. So you just need to understand that. As far as getting different, though, in this spot, you know, I talk about it every week. I feel like in my GPP article, it's like Chris Godwin's going to commit at 20%. Mike Evans is going to come in at 8%. He's an awesome leverage play every week. We know he has two touchdown upside every time he steps on the field. And like you said, the last time these teams played, Evans found the end zone twice. So I think he's a really interesting leverage stack off of Chris Godwin. 
I love that last week we mentioned Leonard Fournette. We didn't say, oh, he was going to be the RB1, but we did mention him in the sense of if you just wanted to get different in that game, Fournette would give you the leverage play over a lot of other options. And so we need to mention that again in this game because I think the way that people will stack it is they'll go Brady, two bucks, and then bring it back with Cordero Patterson. And I want to bring this stat up. Cordero Patterson is an anomaly just in itself. Like the way that the fact that he exists on this planet is an anomaly. But in fantasy football world, he just, he's too efficient on his touches. And I love it as a Falcons fan. I've been fading it a ton in fantasy, and it's just really hard to keep seeing this hit. In Atlanta wins, okay? They only have five wins, by the way. Uh, he's averaging 18 opportunities per game. In their losses, it's 10.8. So if you knew you were only going to get 11 opportunities in this game bets from Cordell Patterson, what would you do with him? I mean, based off his efficiency, I'd say he's probably guaranteed for 100 yards instead of 200 yards based off what he's done this year. <laughs> Uh, but no, in all, in all seriousness, if you told me that, I would not play Cordell Patterson. And it's because, like you said, the efficiency at some point is probably going to fall off. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I'd rather, you know, not be stuck holding the bag, so to speak. And, you know, I want to give a shout out to our buddy Matt DeSorbo, one of uh, our writers in the offseason. He was doing that research study. Remember that? Looking at like what the Vegas spread is and when teams win versus when they lose. And he was finding like when teams are favored by double digits the favored team wins the game by, I think it's like 85% of the time. So if if the Bucks are going to win this game, and I don't see how that doesn't happen. Sorry, Kyle. Um, yeah, Cordell Patterson might be, might be a trap. This is the stage I'm at in life. I have to explain to my wife that I'm putting down money against the team that I can't stand. But Atlanta just can't convert enough first downs. Like everyone loves somebody who's trailing and they say it's garbage time. A lot of times we've seen in these kind of games where there's onslaught type builds, the other team just can't keep up. So Atlanta ranks 25th in plays per game. Well, why? Because they're not converting enough first downs. They're 26 in early down success rate, and they just have a lot of three and outs and a lot of really stupid like, hey, it's third and two. Well, we're just going to run it and run it straight into the ground. So I think it's a very, very easy spot. It feels like a foregone conclusion with Tampa Bay, they're averaging 31.5 points per game. Their team implied total is 30.8. So I will take the over on their team implied total. Um, the line has grown, though, at 11. Is that, I mean, would you take the Falcons and the points in terms of the spread? We're such sickos. <laughs> We're such sickos. Yeah, I would take Atlanta plus 11. And, you know, to get away from DFS for a second, like, when you look at sports betting and these huge spreads at the NFL, like there's so much you know variability from week to week that it's almost positive EV just to kind of log in, see a double digit spread, and just take the underdog because games usually close a little bit closer than that. But I'm not going to actually do it for the show. I'll say Atlanta plus eleven, but there's no way I'm putting my my hard earned <laughs> money on Matt Ryan with uh, Olamide Zacchaeus out there running routes. We've already put enough money on the Falcons this year. So yes. we're just we're just trying to get to seven wins, people. All right, uh, let me just mention these last two names: Russell Gage, Kyle Pitts. I think those are the names, apart from Cordell Patterson, that people might be interested plugging in as like a one-off piece, uh, or sorry, uh, just somebody they want to bring it back with on the Atlanta side. So, do you have a lean on those two? I know every week it's the week where you're like Kyle Pitts is going to break the slate. I know, man. And it's just, it's burned me so many times that I feel like I can't do it again. 
which means when I get off of this, it's going to happen. Um, yeah, dude, it, it's really tough. I personally don't have a lot of interest in those guys. I know that Tampa Bay gives up a ton of pass volume. I know we've seen Matt Ryan play decent football this year. But like you said, it's just if they can't convert first downs and they can't move the football, how do they get there? And uh, it's been rough. So I don't I don't think so this week for me. But if anyone was really wanted to stack the game, I, I wouldn't fault you. Like, obviously, those guys are, are in play for sure. So, yeah, not for me this week, but I, I see the, the, the path there. All right, let's go to this last game. We're going to talk about stacking. It's the Washington football team at five and six. Your your football team bets at the Las Vegas Raiders, who are six and five. And we just saw a game on Thanksgiving where Derek Carr went bananas and was awesome on Thanksgiving. Send in the car. Send in the car. So the question is, would you actually send in the car this week in a GPP stacking? Oh, man, without Waller, it hurts. It really hurts. Uh, and then when you, you do stack and you say, okay, I'll play Derek Carr, but you know who I'm going to play? I'll play Foster Moreau. And then you just run into a, an obvious stacking situation. So I don't know that I'm going to go there. Uh, you know, Again, we're looking for quarterbacks that certainly can provide, I think, a unique combination of rushing and passing to, to break the slate. And Derek Carr certainly has this in his bag as far as those 300-yard games. But without Waller, it's tough to get there. So I don't think I'm interested in him this week. What about you? I think that this game sets up very easily for Washington. Like I think, I just think they're set up to, I mean, they've, they've won three straight and Antonio Gibson is their better running back. Like JD McKissick's had some juice, but he's just the better overall player. And so he's going to get more opportunities, get Logan Thomas back. I think they're just, they're just in a position where I look at the Raiders and I'm just like, there's just not enough playmakers here. Um, I don't like Djax. I'm not going to chase last week's points. And like you said, Foster Moreau is too popular. So for me in this game, I'm looking to play like Gibson and Renfro or Heineke and you get two options and maybe bring it back. But like, it's like if you play Josh Jacobs, he nerfs the whole game. There's just so many ways that I think this game could hit the under. Yeah, I could totally see that for sure. Um, yeah, I think I'm with you. I don't have a ton of interest in going full game stack, but I do think there's easy ways to get different in this spot and it's obvious leverage points, right? Like Antonio Gibson without JD McKissick is going to be one of the most popular running back plays on the slate for good reason. But if you wanted to say, look, he fails this week. And if he does, how about Terry McLaurin coming in at 5% probably in a tournament? Yes, please. Give me, give me that guy. That's one of my guys. And then I'll pair him with the other one that I absolutely talk about every week and love. Hunter Renfro, who every week is underrated and just gets it done. And without Waller, his splits are really solid. And with Foster Moreau being extremely popular, he's a great leverage play. So it just makes a ton of sense. I think if you wanted to go a little mini correlation there with those two guys, um, I feel like I'm obligated to have at least one lineup with that because they're they're my two guys I talk about all the time. So yeah, give me a little McLaurin and uh, Hunter Renfro mini correlation. I like Logan Thomas too at 4K on DraftKings. Because Moreau's so popular, like it's an in-game pivot at tight end, should have caught a touchdown last week. So uh, I think all of those are fine. Washington is interesting. Their first eight weeks, they covered the spread once. And then they've done it three straight times since their bye. So I will be taking Washington plus two and a half. I think they're on the door of the playoffs. That would be awesome for yours truly and <laughs> the preseason bets. Uh, I also take Washington here, and it's just because Waller, I think, is a huge piece to not have in this game. So give me Washington plus the points. 
I think what's so attractive about this game and stacking is you see the total and then you see like everyone's pretty cheap outside of McLaurin. Like everyone's affordable. So realize I added it up like with Carr. If you double stack Carr with say Renfro and Foster Moreau, that feels so thin. You have to get 60 points. So if you got 15 points from Renfro and 15 points from Moreau, you're like, awesome. But if Carr doesn't get 30 points added with that, then it's just not a good enough stack for a GPP. So I just don't know if there's enough firepower on the Raiders side to just fully get there in a stack. So give me some correlation, but uh, mostly move on. And then I wanted to add this because we're not going to talk about any other games this week in terms of stacking. If you wanted to have a Rams onslaught stack of getting at least three Rams in your lineup or Vikings, you wanted at least three Vikings against the Lions. I think both of those could totally work. And I don't think you have to run it back with anybody. Jamal Williams is going to be way too popular, way too popular to even use in GPP, uh, at least for me. And then on the Rams side, you can just use the Rams or you can bring it back with Marvin Jones. Nope. No? Not going to do it. Come on, man. I needed you to back me up on that one. I'm sorry, dude. I can't. Urban has stolen all my happiness. <laughs> like the injuries to my guys that I talk about and then, you know, taking Marv away from us. It's just, it's over, man. We got to give it up. I did want to list three guys um, that I just put this in here. Maybe we need a new segment name and I need like a cool sponsor for it. That'd be fun. But I wrote it down as Kyle's Slate Breakers. Ooh, brought to you by Feels- Icebreakers. Remember like the mints and the gum? Yeah, I feel like that would be a great tie-in, but we'd probably get like a dumb like sponsor like Huggies Diapers or something. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag dad life. Uh, I want to give you three names that I think could break this slate. I probably wouldn't stack these games, but Elijah Mitchell is 6K. If he gets a ton of work against Seattle, I love him in GPPs. Uh, I'll let you mention the ne- next name because I know you wrote him up. Yeah, I love Justin Jefferson. Uh, he's a great option this week against a Detroit secondary that is bottom five in 20 plus yard completions allowed as well as completion percentage on the deep ball we know Adam Thielen is great as far as the touchdown equity but when you talk about how Detroit gives it up over the top that's where Justin Jefferson wins and yeah you talk about him being able to break the slate in this spot as direct leverage off Alexander Madison it it makes a lot of sense so I'm pretty interested in him in tournaments I'm going to throw out one more name, Chase Claypool. Everyone's going to be playing Deontay in cash, and that's a good move. He has a high floor. But Chase Claypool has a ridiculous amount of end zone targets. Jason actually brought this up on the main show. We were talking about it this morning. He's due for some major positive touchdown regression, like in a in a, in a way where it's like you could get a two-touchdown game right here against Baltimore, who's given up the most 20-plus yard pass plays in the league. So Chase Claypool on Fandle is 6,500. So he is a steal, I think, on that site where you're not asking him to have the same PPR volume as Deontay. So I just want to throw out Chase Claypool. Um, and I have a very soft spot for Chase Claypool in GPPs because last year, if you remember, we recommended him as a dart throw and he went for four touchdowns and we had somebody win like $50,000 on it. Yeah. No big deal, right? I mean, I love it. That person wasn't... That wasn't us, though. No. We didn't win Of that. course not. <laughs> it was, It was a listener. All right, let's battle it out. DFS Battle Royale. For those at home that were just waiting to find out where we're at with DFS Battle Royale in terms of wins and losses, Betts has 28 and the Borg has closed 
the window. It is 27 to 28. And I will say, uh, Jason helped. I beat Jason four to one that week that you were out. What the heck, Jason? Come on, man. Dude, he's going to cost you your job. He doesn't even care. <sighs> Frustrating. He, d- he probably doesn't at all. He doesn't. <laughs> uh, so DFS Battle Royale, we give some different questions that can help you build lineups. And we go head to head. I mix it up this week. So if you're used to the same questions, you're wrong because I'm mixing it up. First question is bets. Who will be the QB one on the slate? Oh, I like this. This is interesting because we don't ever do this. I, I like this segment. I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson. He is 7.8K. He is priced as the QB1. But but when you look at how he scores, if you get that ceiling game from Lamar with the rushing equity that he brings, he is really interesting. So I think he's like one of the few guys that can actually separate at the position this week. And this question's different than who's most likely or who like the easy answer is Tom Brady, right? Like right. just to say like he has a high floor, but he's actually not that frequently the QB one, like he ends up being the QB three, QB four, like he has a super high floor, but we're talking to someone that could just go nuclear, like 45 DraftKings points. I'm going to go with Justin Herbert because I think it's a game environment. If it goes the right way, it can go back and forth. He's been running the ball more and I love the chargers. All right. Give me a cash game running back. That sub six K. These are the, these are the dudes this week that we love. Give me Antonio Gibson. I am assuming J.D. McKissick is out. But yeah, 5.7K, that is obviously a misprice. Uh, it would just be a no-brainer. These these are my two answers. These Both of these running backs are in my cash game lineup. I'm going to go with James Conner at 5.9. I don't think either of these is a bad play. I almost feel bad battling it out because I like both of these. Uh, but James Conner is going to roll against Chicago as the, the lone guy in the backfield, regardless if Kyler's there or not. All right, cheap wide receiver under 5K. This is disgusting. I hate this. I'm ha- I hate what I'm about to do. Josh Reynolds is a wide receiver in the NFL, and he is 3.4K on DraftKings. The pricing for wide receiver this week, there's no one down there that I'm actually like interested in playing. But when you talk about like how they're going to move the ball, like who is going to do it for Detroit? It has to be Josh Reynolds in the passing game, right? I mean, he has the chemistry with Jared Goff. Minnesota secondary is a secondary we've picked on all year. We saw him on Thanksgiving score the touchdown. So, yeah, I guess I'm going with Josh Reynolds. <laughs> well, then I know exactly where I'm going. I'm going with Marvin Jones, 4.7K. I'll just say this. I know that this is very on brand for me. Marvin Jones is showing up in a lot of our optimals because his price just keeps plummeting. He has the opportunity, and the Rams are actually, they've given up the 10th highest pass success rate. So they're not like this shutdown group because teams have to throw against them, especially if James Robinson, who's had two straight do not practice, I I would go with Marv. I think, I'll say this, Bets. I think Marv gets at least 12 DraftKings points this week. We should have a little wager on this. Let's do it. Well, Let's do it right now. You want to do Marv Jones versus Josh Reynolds? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, God, no. I'm saying we should we should put a little wager on on 12 points or I guess 11.9 over under for Marv. If it goes under. God, that's so high for him. I know. If he goes under, you buy me a hashtag dinner butter shirt. And if he goes over, I'll buy you one. All right, deal. Perfect. Done. Um but I get free shirts all the time. I know. So we got to figure out something else. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um, pay up tight end this week. 
You want to go first? Yes. I almost wrote down yours, but I went with Gronk because I think he's just way too involved. 10 targets last week. So Gronk would be the, the tight end that I think he could finish as the tight end one. He can catch two touchdowns and I'm willing to pay up in tournaments. Yeah, I think it's a great call. I'll also go with George Kittle. You know, Debo Samuel is out. Everyone is going to play Brandon Ayuk. Why not George Kittle, who can actually separate at the position? You talk about what everyone is going to do. They're going to log in to DraftKings.com. They're going to see Foster Moreau at $2,700. They're going to play him every week, you know, in every lineup. And Kittle can separate. He's the only one that can on the slate, besides Mark Andrews, in my opinion. So I like those two guys for sure. But I'll go with, officially for the answer here, I'll go with George Kittle. All right, pay up DST to win a GPP. So give me a defense that you're saying I would pay up and I think that they could give me that 15 to 20 point game. Yeah, uh, the, the, the pup is very excited about this team. Uh, it's our Eagles. It's our team. We're going with the Eagles wow. against the Jets. Have you seen Zach Wilson play football in his professional career, Kyle? I have. Is it good? And. I don't know. One time we bet on him and he beat the Titans. That's true. That is true. That was that was one of the best weeks. That was. I'll say. I will take the under though on that happening again. Um, yeah, man, it's just taking sacks every week, interceptions, fumbles, all the above. So I think there's an opportunity here for the Eagles defense to have a great week. I'll say the Cardinals on the road against the Andy Dalton, Justin Fields, no Allen Robinson, maybe no Cole Komet, Bears. So at 3.4, that's a solid price. It's not that expensive in the grand scheme of things. And they have, I think, 20-point upside uh, this week. So let's jump into the mailbag. Mailbag. You can send in your questions at Kyle underscore Borg or at the Fantasy PT. Betts is a better person at answering questions than myself on Twitter. Uh, sometimes I go in my... MIA for a while and especially this past week doing all my uh housing stuff. Just listeners, just to let you know I've been playing the uh double housing game because I closed on my house here in Atlanta and I'm closing on the one in Arizona at the exact same time. That doesn't if sound you want stressful max at all. Stress, no, yeah, if you want your heart rate, <laughs> if you want to feel alive, just uh try to try to box out people in the housing game. Um you gotta go hard in the paint, right? You got to. All right. First question is from at the FF Goonie. He said, what percentage of your bankroll do you suggest using in a given week? This is a question I think we get a lot. Um, and it's really difficult to answer with just a, a blanket statement because it really depends on a lot of things. You know, what's your risk tolerance? Financially, can you afford to go all in and then lose it? Like a lot of people can't do that. And personally, I don't do that. Um, I try to kind of stay somewhere, you know, in the 15 to 20% range on a slate and never go above that. I think anything above for me personally, like 30 to 40 seems scary. And you know, if it, if it works great, but if it doesn't, you know, what does that do to your bankroll? And you have to ask yourself that question and it's different for everyone. So for me, never am I going up to 30, 40, 50%. Um, but that's just my personal playing style. And I think bankroll management is, uh, is probably ideal in that sort of scenario to avoid that. Right. You got to feed your kids, right? I got a dog. got to feed him. Hey, <laughs> I so I'm in the same boat as as bets where anything over I put down anything over 50% just terrifies me and I know everybody plays at different increments like I get screenshots from people like I paid $10 this week someone else like I play 100 someone else 500 um I just don't see 
mean, it just depends. Like if this is a fun hobby and you're not depending on this being like a bankroll, like I'm really, I'm just trying to get some Christmas presents or whatever it is for your family. Uh, then yeah, just 30% is probably the max that I would say 30, 40%. And you might feel like you're missing out. I think that's the sca- the part of DFS that everyone has this itch of, they see the screenshots like, Oh, I'm missing out. I have to play in this tournament. You know, I need to play a hundred dollar heads up instead of playing just the, the $25. And the reality is your success last week has no bearing on your success this next week. Just none. There's zero correlation to that. And I think you can get a little excited if you double up one week and you're like, all right, well, then I need to put in more money. You can slowly increase it if you want. If you feel like you're having success and saying, hey, I've been doing 25, 30%, then I do 40. But when you put in 100%, you're going to lose. It's just going to happen. Um, so don't do it. All right, next question is from at Hey Mike Bass on Twitter. He says, what's the best way to approach multipliers? I've hit some with GPP-like lineups and some with cash lineups, but no real consistency. So you want to explain multipliers for people? Yeah, essentially the idea is, you know, rather than these like double ups or these large field tournaments that are super top heavy, they kind of combine the two. And essentially what happens is like you can go into these like quadruple ups or quintuple ups or triple ups where the top, you know, X percent of the field gets paid out, but it's way less than the 50-50s. So for example, like there's some that are like the top five get paid out, the top 10 get paid out but they all get paid out at the same price or the same amount. So essentially you still have to hit a ceiling performance, but you don't have to be the absolute perfect lineup to get to the very, very top. So um, I don't play in these a lot personally, so I'm probably not the best person to ask this question to. I'm not sure. Do you play in these at all, Kyle? I do play in them because I, I like mixing them in with cash. Um, And so I will play my cash lineup usually in a multiplier instead of like a GPP, because if I have a good week, with my cash lineup, then I think I can hit the top 20%, top 10% if I have a really good week. So I always share the rule like, hey, play at least one of your cash lineups in a tournament. And so those are the ones that I usually throw it in there. Um, there is one that I think is very like enticing to people. There's a single entry on DraftKings. The buy-in's $27, but it's single entry. But the top 100 get $1,000. So to turn your 27 into 1,000, and not feel like you had to hit some crazy high score feels like that's a fun GPP if your bankroll allows it. So often multipliers have the top 10 or top 100 hit that. So I would say to answer this question, use your cash lineup and then tweak two to three things. You know, like if you're this week, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to play Mixon. I'm going to play Eckler, like switch it up. Or instead of JTT, you know, pay up somewhere else. Or instead of Madison, play Jefferson, just like, Mix it up, but don't mix up your whole lineup. Just, you know, play Brady, play two bucks and then mix up the other guys if you need to. All right. Next question is from Sean Hackbarth. He asks, what's more important, especially for punting? Is it this week's matchup or is it the previous week's performances? And is there a different approach for cash and GPP for punting? Yeah, I think it really depends on the position. For tight end, we care mostly about, especially because how weak the position is, I just care about, are you running routes and are you going to see some targets? That's really all I care about. The matchup doesn't matter to me, especially like, you know, we, t- we talked about Foster Moreau this week. He could be playing the best defense in the world. He could be playing the Bills. And if he was 2.7, I would still play him because he's just so cheap and, and cash. You know, it doesn't really matter. You just need him to get you a handful of points. But when you're talking about, you know, punting different, like other different positions, like volume matters a lot. But in GPPs, 
you kind of do need them to have some ceiling associated with them. So I think you have to factor in not only the player's usage, but also I think matchup does play more of a role, probably more in tournaments, I would say, um, for that type of situation. Because again, you need more ceiling in that format than you do for cash. I have an article that I wrote this past year about how to execute the punt position. If you want to look that up and Google that for tight ends. Yeah. You said it. it's about opportunity. The only thing that's really sticky for tight ends is, you know, are they running routes? Are they out there on snaps? Like that's all we really care about. And with Foster Moreau, we could see, okay, he was out there hundred percent of the snaps. It's cool with me. Uh, I'm totally fine with that. So we don't really chase matchups. I'll say, with tight ends, you care about the extremes a little bit. Like there are certain teams like your Eagles. It's like, okay, I will attack that matchup. But for the most part, tight end fantasy points is, is a lot of noise. And then for punts this is the second part of that question. We only really talk about punting in cash. Like that's all we're really interested in doing is can Foster Moreau get us six points? We're not really saying Foster Moreau, can you get me six points in tournaments because he's going to be super chalky. That is not going to help you. It's not a GPP winning score. Punting tight end is possible though in GPPs if the slate is just gross. If there's like no elite tight ends, like there was a week where TJ Hawkinson was the tight end one. I think he had like 10 points. Yep. And that's because everybody else was off the slate. So that's fine. But we typically say don't chase after the chalky tight end in GPPs, unless it's a gross slate. I think there's another week where Ricky Seals Jones was like a great play in cash. And then in GPPs, you could go, okay, I could see him getting 15 points. It's totally possible. And he was really helpful. But punting wide receiver, like when when Betts was talking about like Josh Reynolds or I don't know, Jawan Jennings, any of these other guys, just shoot for the moon. Like they have to have a touchdown. They probably need to hit the 100 yard bonus. You, you can't win a GPP with a wide receiver scoring 10 points. Right. Yeah, I think you hit it, hit the nail on the head. There we go. All right, last question here is from Drew Hollenbach. How do you guys determine roster percentage projections and how do they vary between cash and GPP? And I'll first start off by saying we don't do projections for cash because they condense so much that it would just not be worth your time and our time to say, hey, um, Mike Evans is going to be 2% in cash. Like that, that's not helpful information. You're, you're looking at who are the best plays. So it would be really hard to give you good pictures. Now you can get the percentages after if that's helpful. But for GPPs, Betts and I, it's kind of this back and forth thing where we look at the slate and then we convert a lot of what their salary and projections are saying and what the other players at that position are doing. So I mentioned Dernis Johnson one week. What was he like 4,200 or 4,600, something like that. The reason why we projected him at 45 plus percent, I think he ended up being like 51, 52, like in tournaments, which is wild. Um, The reason why we would do that is because we look at the rest of the field and go, there is nobody else in that price range that anybody can play. And then we kind of factor in all the rest of the players. So we have a little bit of behind the scenes algorithms that take the salary, take the projections and then we've also over the year kind of added in like on this slate, like this week, we only have a couple of teams over that 50 mark. Like the wide receiver roster percentages are going to be kind of deflated because we just don't have these massive totals. This is a week for running backs and that's why it's kind of showing up. But what do you want to add about roster percentage projections? Yeah, I think if you're trying to get an idea of like how 
how it's going to look in cash. You know, the, the roster percentages that are in the DFS pass are based off of large field tournaments. But like if you have someone in there that is going to be super popular in a tournament, you know, they're going to be even more popular in cash. Like, you know, I don't think we have like a general rule of thumb of like add 10% or anything like that. But you just know it condenses around the best plays that are going to be the most popular. So, you know, Foster Moreau in a tournament this week might come in 40%, something like that, 45%. In GPPs and head like 50-50s or in cash rather in 50-50s and double ups, he's going to be 60%, right? Like something crazy like that. So it does, it does, you know, get a lot higher in those sort of situations and it does condense around those popular plays way more. So we look at historical data from two big tournaments, the play action on DraftKings and the Millie Maker, because that's, that's the largest sample size. And so that's what we use. And a lot of that process goes in like during the off season, like Betts and I look through all the slates. We run a bunch of numbers. I, we live in the spreadsheets and we basically say, okay, how does this work? And the field gets smarter. I'll say this, this is harder than it was two or three years ago where stacking wasn't quite the thing in, in DFS. So there's a lot of different, um, there's a lot of context for it. But if people are interested in the roster percentage report, you can get that in DFS pass we're gearing that only to DraftKings and only to GPPs because of our sponsorship and because it does take a lot of time. I mean, think about looking at every single player and their salary and everything else going on and being able to project what we think. And I think our percentages this year have held pretty true. And I think it's been a great addition DFS pass. We haven't had that. And um, a lot of people just download it. They live in their own spreadsheet life and they're able to be smarter for it. So if you want to join us, go to ballersdfs.com. You can be a part of our DraftKings League, Fantasy Footballers DFS, Borg Plus Bets. We will have some Battle of the Bets contests this week. And uh, any any special challenge you want to give to the people that might want to start bullying you? Oh, a challenge? I don't know, man. I'm, I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared of a challenge. I feel like on those contests, I have not done well this year. So I don't think I need to challenge our listeners anymore. They're already beating me up in those contests. But yeah, come play with us, ballersdfs.com. Uh, a lot of fun. I like those smaller ones, Kyle, that are like, you know, 10, 20 people. Um, so maybe we'll do a couple of those this week. And then, you know, of course, we always do those 200 ones that you're you're always winning, right? You're always at the top. I've been at the top of a couple of those. I mean, it's it's been great. It's given me a lot of street cred with my family um, <laughs> that they think that I'm not just wasting my time doing this football stuff all the time. But yeah, you can join us this week at BallersDFS.com if you want to be in on the action. Bets. Why don't you sign up for the peeps? Yes, it has been a fun show. I need some sleep, personally. It's been a long week, but man, it's so fun to have you guys with us. And uh, we look forward to another great DFS weekend. Good luck this week. We will see you on Tuesday. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.